This is the Point of Drew Podcast. Point of Drew, we are back. We are live on location. We're both here in Austin, Texas. First time we're recording together in what? About five months now. Yeah, see, it's been a minute, but it's it's great to be back home in Austin where it all started. Um, big episode ahead. Excited to break it all down with you. It's been it's been too long, truly. Definitely. I think last time we did a, an in-person pod was division around of the playoffs, NFL. So been a couple minutes but we're back we've got some action to cover today uh kicking things off with some baseball give a a quick update on um some of the surprises things to look for in the mlb so far this season and then we're diving straight into nba playoffs a lot to cover there we've had a couple series and a couple series that are still pushing along seeing some heavy competition so excited to dive into playoffs as well NBA has been super fun so far this playoff run and then it is uh it's after June. We just had Memorial Day so we have to catch up on the MLB quick 5-6 minutes but uh we'll be we'll be jumping into NBA uh for most of it. Definitely, but before we get into the baseball, you know where we go. It is Jersey Corner and this week Jersey number 30. Great jersey. I'm excited for this Jersey Corner. I have a feeling we may have some different answers here. But I'll let you kick things off with some honorable mentions. So give me a few honorable mentions you have for the best athlete to ever wear number 30. Yeah, Dirty 30 this week. It's a, it's a great number. I was overwhelmed for a bit. You know, there's some, there's some great players at 30. Um, but I think there's a clear big three in terms of that should be mentioned in this segment. Uh, I'm starting off my first honorable mention, Nolan Ryan. Uh, one of the best pitchers and, and just baseball players in general uh, ever the ultimate workhorse 27 big league seasons 27 uh, in the majors that's it's crazy to understand how he held up for that long but um, you know he's got all-time records for the most career strikeouts and the most career no hitters so the accomplishments speak for themselves um, quite a resume for Nolan Ryan did it all in 27 uh, seasons so <laughs> took his time with that for sure <laughs> Um, and the next guy I got a shout out, uh, Marty Brodeur. Uh, I think it's pretty undisputed. I guess it is argued, but I think he's the best goalie of all time. He's the only one I heard of at the top of the list, so I'm going with Marty. Um, he's got the most wins, the most shutouts, and just the most games played uh, by a mile over any other goalie uh, in NHL history. So he has quite a few accolades on uh, on the ice and. He's also got three Stanley Cup victories, all with the uh, the Ooh. New Jersey Devils. Oh, so uh, a little bit of a, a, a sus franchise there, but he's got he's got three rings to show show for. So uh, it worked out for old Marty. Nice. Those are some good ones. Uh, I was gonna mention both of those guys. Uh, I mean, he stole out right from me, but uh, even <laughs> further on uh, Nolan Ryan there, the seven no hitters. I didn't even know twenty seven years in the MLB is incredible. So. Uh, he definitely gets a shout out. Was also going to add Bernard King to that list. Yep. Four-time All-Star, the New York Knicks legend from the uh, 70s and 80s. Uh, definitely was an icon in the, in the Big Apple. Um, and then lastly, last shout out I have to give, and I think there's a reason that he was not on your shout out list. 
maybe some foreshadowing there, but he is on my honorable mention list. The best shooter basketball has ever seen. Steph Curry is getting a, an honorable mention from me. Uh, wow. Two-time MVP, three-time champ, seven-time, about to be eight-time All-NBA. Um, you know, revolutionized basketball. You can't say enough good things about Steph and the player he is. He's incredible. I don't think I've had as much fun watching any other player ever than I've had watching Steph. Um, so definitely deserves all the praise, but it's just an honorable mention on my list. So what I'll let you, the... uh, I'll let you take it away and, and tell us who your winner is. <sighs> I am blown away. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked right now. Uh, okay. Good, good honorable mentions from you. I think most of the listeners at this point know where I'm going with this one. Uh, I'm going with Steph for all the reasons you said. Um, I know I took the... You're, you're talking points for, for Nolan Ryan, but you really took mine for Steph. I mean, best shooter of all time. No real debate there. Um, not to mention, I think one of the best ball handlers I've watched, as well as maybe the best trick shot maker. All the shit he does pregame. Yeah. Bouncing it in. You know, he, he does all the antics pregame. And he's just so coordinated. Uh, such a great shooter. And like you said, influenced the uh, the sport of basketball in a way that I haven't seen before in, in my lifetime. And, and you know, we'll see if it's ever done again, but uh, a revolutionary player in every sense of the word. Um, definitely one of the best to ever do it, and, and in my opinion, the best to wear 30. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to disagree with that. And, man, I had a tough time picking on this one. And I ended up going a different direction, like like I mentioned. And uh, there's definitely some debate to be had. My uh, winner isn't necessarily someone who has been around in their sport for forever now but has made a massive impact on it and is on track to become the greatest of all time in their respective sport and that is Brianna Stewart for the uh, Seattle um, she's on the goat track right now four-time champ and most outstanding player um, at UConn war number 30 for all four Sheesh. of those seasons won it all all four years she was at UConn Went to the WNBA, won Rookie of the Year as a rookie back in 2016. Her second year, she was All-NBA, or All-WNBA, and an All-Star. Um, every year since then, when she's been healthy, she's been an All-Star. Um, she won a Finals and won Finals MVP in her third year. And then just this last season, um, she won MVP of the Finals again in 2020. So, um, really putting together the best resume we've ever seen in basketball, um, regardless of WNBA or yeah. NBA right now. Um, there's really no one that stacks up against what she's put out. So I'm going with Brianna Stewart as the best to ever wear number 30, and that career is far from over as well. So uh, a lot more could be added to that accomplishment list, but she is, in my eyes, the best to ever put on that number three zero. Man. Came out of left field, but it was it was well backed. Uh, that's quite quite an uh, accomplished career for a short one. Imagine if she's around twenty seven years, like her guy Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we'd still be talking about it. We couldn't even put it in this in podcast format. It would be too long of a, an accomplishment list. So there we go. We got Steph and Brianna Stewart, the two best to ever do it, wearing number thirty. That's a good jersey corner. That was a fun number. Really, uh, really close one there. I had a tough time with it, but I'm happy with those answers. You made the right call. So uh, before we before we move on, does Brianna Stewart 
have a nickname. Like, I want to call her B-Stew, but I don't really think that's... She goes by Stewie. <laughs> Stewie. Stewie. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, Stewie. We got Stewie and Steph. Best to ever do it at 30. Stewie and Steph. Let's wrap it there for Jersey Corner. Before we move on to a little update on Major League Baseball, we've got a quick word from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. This episode of Point of Drew is brought to you by the one, the only, Shug's Bagels. Termed by many as the new breakfast of champions, Shug's will be open all week long, serving up their famous bagels, rolls, wraps, and burritos. What? Yeah, you heard me. Burritos. Go check out their new special, Miguel's Burrito. Spicy chorizo, golden hash browns, juicy peppers and onions, and pepper jack cheese all snugged up in one of their delicious wraps. Go show them some love on social media, at Shug's Bagels, and pay them a visit in Park City's Village right near SMU campus. Shug's Bagels, the new breakfast of champions. All right, Barton, like you mentioned, we're past Memorial Day now. We're in June. MLB season is in full swing, and we need you to catch us up here. So uh, before we get into just a couple of the questions that I had that that I was going to ask you, just want to get a, a little update on the league. I mean, what are some of the, the big storylines right here? What are some things that, um, you know, that as I'm starting to tune into baseball a little bit more now that I should be paying attention to? Yeah, man, it's it's been a crazy year so far. Uh, looked a lot different than the shortened season last year. Um, we're two months in, so just about a month out from uh, the old Midsummer Classic and, and three months to the playoffs, so really right in the heart of it. Um, and it's it's been a lot of fun. There's a couple teams I think that we'll get into that are are surging, uh, that were not expected to be very good. And then you know there's some of the the front runners that just kept, haven't quite lived up to their potential. Um, happens really in every MLB season. But I mean just to go over a, a few to start. Um, you know one the, the Chicago White Sox finally being relevant uh, as an MLB franchise, a, a true World Series contender. Uh, they're a lot of fun, uh, as well as the Padres. Their, their name's getting called up there as a World Series contender as well. Yes, they are in the NL West with a, a juggernaut Dodgers team, but um, those are two franchises that have really not had a lot of success as of late, um, and, and they are really you know have reached the kind of uh, top stage now and are expected to do big things this year. So I'd say starting out, those two teams in, in the respective National and American League um, – you're going to have chances uh, come this fall, and so that's, I think, pretty exciting. See some new new teams out there. Definitely. I'm excited to see some new teams. Seems like lately we've just seen a lot of Dodgers, and finally they got it done last year, so I'm ready for some new faces. It'd be fun to see a team like the Padres make a run at it this year, but you mentioned there are a couple teams that weren't really expected to be on this big stage yet that are kind of surging right now. Who are some of the biggest surprises so far? I mean, you obviously mentioned two teams that we haven't seen on the big stage lately, but are there any other surprises that have kind of popped up around the league? Yeah, man, I, there's a few that there's a few teams that weren't maybe it's less historical, but just weren't really expected to be good this year. Um, that are that are playing really well uh, throughout the first two months. One of those being the Boston Red Sox. Of course, they've had success as of late, but um, they were a bottom five team just last season. A bottom five team in the MLB. Uh, so far this year, they have a top five uh, record in the MLB. And so really flipping the script there. Um, they're trying to keep pace with uh, the Rays and then also the Yankees uh, in their division. So it's going to be a, a tough finish, I think, for Boston, but the first two months have gone really well. Um, another team I'd look at would be the San Francisco Giants. 
Um, I don't think anyone expected them to be leading the Dodgers and the Padres to, you know, kind of confirm juggernauts uh, in the NL West at this point. You know, they got a veteran group. They got your guy, your old guy, Evan Longoria. Um, <laughs> they got uh, Brandon Crawford. They got a veteran crew um, that's just playing really well. Again, I don't know, similar to the Red Sox, if they can sustain it. Um, but both teams have been nice surprises so far. And then I got, I got to give the boys a shout. I, I, the Royals, man. I mean, they started off super hot, then slipped, but... You know, nice little season so far. They're just over 500, and they're, they're making the most of what they got. Um, not sure it'll last, but I, I'm enjoying it for the time being. Love to hear that. Always down for a Royal shout-out. And, and good to see they're, they're just over 500 right now. I know we had, what, like a nine-game losing streak just a couple weeks back that kind of set us back a little bit, but glad to hear we're back on track. But on the flip side of things, man, so those are some of the surprise teams that are, are playing well right now. You know there's some... Uh, some underperformers out there as well. Some teams that, you know, were expected to be good that definitely aren't living up to those standards. Who are some of those teams? Yeah, the first one I'd shout is uh, the Minnesota Twins. They kind of have the opposite story of the Red Sox where they uh, have a bottom five record in the MLB this season, uh, and they finished in the top five uh, in terms of record in the MLB last season. So um, real flip of the script for Minnesota. Um, They're – Hitting has been pretty bad. Their pitching has been even worse. And so I don't really see a lot of answers coming. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened. They are pretty talented, but, uh, you know, they're going to need to turn around soon here because nothing's going well. Um, and the other disappointing team, you've heard it from pretty much everyone, but the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, yeah, Trout went down, but they've got two bona fide superstars in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, maybe two best players in the MLB on their roster. Um, and they still cannot figure it out. They have one of the worst run differentials in all of baseball. Um, you know, they don't have pitching. Their hitting's inconsistent, um, and it's just tough to watch. The, the roster construction around two absolute studs because, um, man, they've, they've underachieved yet again. It seems like the whole Mike Trout's career has just been one big uh, miss. Uh, or really just they haven't lived up to expectations, which is a bummer for such a great player. Yeah, that is disappointing for the Angels. So is, is Mike Trout hurt right now? He is hurt, yeah. He got hurt. Um, he'll be out for at least a while longer. Um, but Shohei's still running, so they got at least one guy. Yeah, well, hopefully Shohei Otani can get him back, at least show a little life. And, you know, that kind of leads me into what I wanted to ask you about next, kind of on the player side of things. Um you know, you mentioned Otani maybe the best player in the league, but is he in the lead for the AL MVP race? And if not, who else is up there? Yeah, man, I think Otani probably is. It's it's a close race. You got two it's it's really a two man race at this point in the AL. Otani's been terrific because he's doing something unprecedented since yeah. like, you know, really the modern era where, you know, he, he's batting like a potential batting champion. And he's pitching like, you know, a potential Cy Young winner. It's been <laughs> so crazy. It's been insane so far. I mean, the guy's got a, a top 20 ERA um, through seven starts. Been the best pitcher on his team without question. All those guys suck. Um, <laughs> and, and he's hitting really well, too. He's got 15 dingers, which is, you know, I think top five in the league. 14 extra base hits. Um, and the guy has seven steals, which I think is top 10 in the league. And he's six four two ten. If you've seen this guy Jeez. run, it's it's complete. He's he can play in the NFL. It's crazy what an athlete he is. And so, um, if he can keep pace, it'd, it'd be hard to 
to really go a different direction. But there is a guy that's definitely challenging. Um, he 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 goes by the name of uh, of Vlad Guerrero Jr. I think they're playing. I think he's playing his home ball down in Tampa this year. I don't know exactly where the Blue Jays are playing. It's not Toronto. Um, but Vlad Guerrero, you know, simply put, has been the best hitter in baseball so far. Um, you know, hitting over 330. He's third in the league in batting average. He's got 17 dingers, which is tied for first. Um, and then he's leading the lead in OPS, which I think is is the uh, you know I can explain. It's really on base percentage plus slugging. So you know, hey, can you get on base and can you hit for power? Um, and and so I think it's a pretty comprehensive uh, statistic that really just basically indicates if, if hitters can do it all. And, and Vlad has indicated that he can do it all. Yeah, definitely, man. That's exciting to hear Vlad Vlad Jr. get in the mix there. Uh, it's definitely a name that everyone recognizes and is, is rooting for. So glad he can get in there. And yeah, I agree with the uh, on-base plus slugging. Definitely a, a good stat for uh, hitters like himself. Because a lot of times the, the big power guys are guys who strike out all right. the time, struggle to you know, just get on base. It's either, you know, a double or a strikeout. But to have that on-base plus slugging be so high means they're doing the little things like drawing walks, um, just doing what it takes to get on base. So that's awesome. Glad both of those guys are in the AL MVP race. NL side of things, tell us who's up there. Yes, sir. So on the NL side, um, we got an epic showdown uh, for MVP. It's kind of a two-man race as well. I think you're going to see this showdown for for many many years to come. Um, in one corner, we got Ronald Acuna Jr., um, who's hitting almost three, just under 300. So not he's not raking quite as much as Vlad, but he's got 17 dingers, which is tied for first, and then and above a thousand OPS as well. I think he's third in the league in that statistic, and so he's getting it done at the plate. He's getting it done in the field too. Um, Acuna Jr. can definitely um, play his ass off in the field. Uh, the next guy who's really in the other corner is uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. You've heard about him all year. He's 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 a star. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, he's got star power in just about every way. Um, you know, he he lives for the big bat flip, and you just saw him last week hit a grand slam to tie it up. I think in the eighth or ninth inning in Houston. He's just he's gonna do stuff like that always, regardless of how well he hits for average. And he's still hitting well for average. I mean, similar to Acuna, he's just under 300. He's got 16 dingers, so just one less. And he's got an even better OPS. He's second in OPS. So those guys, Vlad Guerrero first, uh, Tatis second. And, and Acuna third. So those are really the three best hitters in all of baseball. Um, but I would I would lean towards Acuna at this point just because Tatis, he's been awful, just awful in the field. He's leading all shortstops with 14 errors, and and, and you know he's really cost uh, the Padres some some big some some wins in big spots I think. And so he's got to clean that up if he's gonna. Uh, win MVP, you got to be well-rounded, but uh, what he's done at the plate and, and just clutch situations as well has been making it a real conversation despite all the airs. Yeah, I love I love hearing those two names when we talk about MVP because if there's one thing that I know about Ronald Acuna and, and Fernando Tatis is the way they piss people off. <laughs> I love seeing the traditional baseball types get, get mad at the bat flips the way that uh, – you know, Tatis hits a grand slam, takes his sweet time around the bases, and then gets iced out before oh, he, yeah. they, they put his chains on him before he walks in the dugout. That's everything that excites me about baseball. Um, so it's great that those are the type of guys that are actually proving that they're, uh, you know, making headlines for 
you know, making baseball exciting and being the best players in the sport. So love hearing that, man. That's a lot of fun. It's a new way for sure. I mean, despite Tatis's struggles in the field, they're both like just incredible athletes who can, you know, run, throw, catch, do all of it really. And then, you know, they have got the star power where they really have fun with it. They've got they've got a lot of swag, I would say. So it's the, it's the new wave in the MLB. Hopefully these guys can can buoy the sport for for a while until uh, you know, it kind of gets back to mainstream relevance. Definitely. Well, before we move on from baseball and get into the NBA playoffs, really just wanted to you know, get your take. What is, you know, one thing you're looking forward to in uh, in baseball over the next couple months as stuff gets serious, starts winding up, and, uh, you know, really comes down to some of these races. What are you looking forward to most? I'd probably, obviously most, I'm looking forward to how the Royals perform. Um, but that's not a major storyline. So I'll take it in, in a different direction. Um, there's a classic rivalry in in the NL Central between the Cubs and the Cardinals, and both those teams are competitive. They're right at the top of the division, Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of fun baseball left between those two teams. Uh, They've got a little rivalry going, I'd say. It gets a little chippy out there, and so uh, I'm really excited to see how that unfolds. The other rivalry uh, would be in the NL West with the the Padres and the Dodgers. I mean, those, those two teams know they're good. They know They've got a chance in, when, it, when it comes to October. And so um, seeing that rivalry play out over the course of the season, um, I'm really looking forward to as well. It's not just, oh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, uh, you know, like years past. Um, you finally got some fun ones uh, in the NL. Definitely. Well, appreciate you catching us up on some baseball. It was good to get a little refresher, hear some names get thrown out, hear what teams are surprising, a few underperformers. But uh, you know, now that now that we're caught up on baseball, let's move over to the NBA side of things. We can break down all of the playoffs, go through some recaps of the series. We'll pick it up when we come back. All right, like we mentioned, NBA playoffs are here. We've seen some excitement over the past two weeks. Things are really heating up. We have a few series that have ended. A few are right in the middle of it, um, still to be decided. A lot left, but excited to really kind of break down these matchups, break down the series that we've seen, and just kind of dive into it all. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm excited to, to, to catch up on it. It's been a while since we talked about, and really since the, the start of the playoffs. So I'm, I'm glad to just unpack everything here. Um, definitely a bit of bummer. I'll start off by saying it, just to get it out of the way. The injuries... I mean, they, they've definitely been a bummer uh, in terms of how they're impacting um, playoff series with AD getting hurt uh, for the Lakers, with Embiid potentially being out for the for the Sixers, then, of course, uh, Luka Doncic, maybe the most exciting player in all of basketball, being banged up for the Mavs. Yeah, I mean, add Chris Paul to that list as well. Right. I mean, we saw Donovan Mitchell miss a game. So there have been some injuries all around, but uh, – the, the injuries really suck, man. There is no way to, to get around that. Uh, even guys like Dante DiVincenzo is a guy who makes a difference. Wish we right. could have seen Jalen Brown for the Celtics a little bit. But, you know, you got to roll out your best five and see what you can do come playoff time. It, you know, one man out, another man in. You got to step up. And some players have been stepping up in those absences and uh, really pick their teams up. But, you know, what I figured we could do is just kind of Go series by series and and just give a f- quick recap of what's gone on in those series and maybe touch on a few things we've seen in those series. And um, we can start in the Western Conference if we want. And 
Uh, you know, really, where I would love to start is that uh, Blazers Nuggets series out west. Well, I was gonna say, man, we gotta we gotta stop with all the sad injury talk and get into to that game from last night. Cause man, that double overtime game, I only caught the end because I was tuning into to Lakers Suns. But you just want to go for a couple minutes on it. I know you were <laughs> yeah. over the moon. Yeah, definitely. I mean that that game. So we're recording this on Wednesday night. Tuesday night, we saw probably the game of the playoffs so far. Double overtime thriller between the Blazers and the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets took a 3-2 lead in the series after a double overtime win. Um, but the story of the game wasn't even Denver overcoming everything that Portland had for them. Uh, the story was Damian Lillard being everything that Portland had for them. Damian Lillard had one of the single best games I think I've ever witnessed in my entire life. I've never seen anything like it. Finished the game with 55 points, had 10 assists. Um, the first player ever to have 55 and 10 in a playoff game. The first player ever to hit 12 threes in a playoff game. Um, had two buzzer beaters, essentially, that tied the game. Um, one to send it to OT, another to send it to double OT. Uh, it was something I've never seen. It's like he couldn't miss. It was automatic. Um, but at the end of the day, got to give props to Denver because they outlasted everything that Lillard had. And, you know, there there is some blame to be had for the rest of the Portland roster not named Damian Lillard. So in overtime and double overtime, Lillard was 6 of 8 from the floor. Uh, the rest of the Portland team was one for 19 over that oh, same wow. stretch. Um, so Broke. just over, yeah, just over 5% from the field. Um, and then looking at the defensive side of the ball, uh, Enos Kanter, he played 14 minutes last night. In that time, the Nuggets had a 161.5 offensive rating, which is just horrible. Um, but what's even worse is that uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson played about nine minutes last night for the Blazers and had a 178.9 defensive rating, oh my um, which is about as bad as it possibly gets. Um, and it's it's tough because you know Yusuf Nurkic is the only defensive option that the Blazers have to even slow down uh, Nikola Jokic, who has played like an MVP this entire series. He's been incredible. And when Nurkic gets in foul trouble and has to sit, there is no one who can step up for the Blazers. Jokic takes full advantage of it. Uh, you know, it's really amazing to watch Jokic, the way he just stays calm and co collected in all these situations. He makes the smart play every time, never gets rushed. And in the series, he's averaging uh, just a little over 32 points, 11 assists, and a little over four rebounds per game. So, uh, just some incredible numbers. I mean, Damian Lillard's numbers are, um, you know, just as good. Almost about 36 points per game, four uh, boards, and 9.6 assists for Dame. So this whole series, it's really been a battle between Jokic and Dame. Um, and right now, Dame just isn't getting the help he needs to, to keep Portland alive. They're going home to Portland now to face a... a Win or go home, game six. So Denver's up 3-2 in that series. Um, and I don't know if the Blazers are going to be able to stay alive. You know, they do play best a lot of times with their back against the wall. But they need someone else to step up for this team. It's time for C.J. McCollum to show that he can be the second best option on a contending Western Conference team. 
He has not shown that in this series. Um, they need Yusuf Nurkic to be his best self because the games that Portland's won in the series have been when Nurkic is playing awesome and um, you know doing things on both sides of the floor. So um, it's been a fun series, man. It's gone back and forth. Uh, I think at the end of the day, this one's headed to seven. So this could be a long series, still a couple to come, but it has been a lot of fun so far. The Blazers love to do it to you. They love to go seven. Uh, there's always craziness, I feel like, in their playoff series. And, and you know, last night, I watched – I didn't see – I watched the highlights, but Dame was in his bag, uh, putting the team on his back. And it, it's it's tough to watch it happen. It's tough to hear you you see it happen. Tough to, you know, hear, hear you talk about it even just because I know that's your squad. And I know uh, when a player puts on a performance like that, um, and, and they can't come out with the W, it, it hurts more than anything. And so I hear you on, on um, you know, needing more help. Going one for 19 in and, and, and both those overtimes is just simply inexcusable. Um, but, you know, Jokic is a problem. Uh, yeah. it, the matchup isn't oh, great. Yeah. Uh, no one's saying the Blazers have any type of defense. But that, I feel like we were saying it earlier, that that front-line depth, yes, they have Nurkic, but – you know, he's prone to foul trouble, and then, you know, he does get in foul trouble. Then who do you have? You have Cantor, um, which just isn't the right recipe when you're playing someone like Nikola Jokic. And, um, yeah, that's really where things kind of start to fall. The wheels start to fall off, I guess, for the Blazers is when um, Nurkic gets in foul trouble and, and Jokic can just control the game despite all that Lillard can do, hitting shots to get to OT, hitting shots to get to double OT. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a little too much when, when you have the uh, – the inside advantage yeah definitely it makes it tough and and you know the Blazers even guys like Norman Powell um you know he went off in in game four and had his best game that I've seen him in a Blazer uniform and the Blazers won that game by 20 um Mello played really well in that one Mello was awful in this double overtime game um finished the game with eight points and um you know had some really bad fouls down the stretch so uh, Portland just needs those role players to, to step up. On the flip side, Denver has had a few role players step up. We saw um, we saw Austin Rivers go nuts in Game Three in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. to uh, lift Denver to that win. And then uh, last night in the double overtime game, Monte Morris finished the game with 28 points. I think Michael Porter had 29. So um, a couple guys for Denver have stepped up to that call and really answered for it. But at the end of the day, man, I'm just having fun watching Damian Lillard. I wish the Blazers could could pull out these wins, but um, it's been one of the most exciting things to watch. And even just today, I was at, I was at work in the middle of the day, and I get a call from my dad at like 2:30 p.m. I'm like, "Yo, what's up?" And he he called me just to tell me he's still he's not even a huge NBA fan. He barely watches basketball, but he called me just to tell me that last night he watched Damian Lillard and he still couldn't believe what he actually saw. I said it was the most insane thing he's ever seen watching basketball. So that's the kind of excitement Dame's bringing. And that's how much this, this series is, uh, how fun it's been, honestly. So we can that could be enough for this Blazers Nuggets series. But if anyone out there has not been tuning into this series yet, it's about time. They've got... Hopefully two more games left in the series. The uh, game six happening in Portland on Thursday night. So definitely is a can't miss game. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned earlier that you think this one's going seven. Um, do you think your Blazers pull it out in, in game seven? I hope so. But but honestly, I think the Nuggets are probably just the all around better team here. They've been the all around better team all year. Perhaps better coach. Uh, 
Yeah, you, you, yeah, you could say. Um, did you did you catch the last week? Uh, everyone was giving uh, Michael Malone some shit because uh, live on air on ESPN, Cassidy Hubberth was uh, interviewing him and, and called him Mike Malone, and he oh. immediately corrected her and said, no, "It's Michael. It's Bone." <laughs> yeah, he should have said it's Bone, but he caught some heat for that. He uh, he later apologized, but. Okay, Michael. Michael. Bone yeah, got Bone. it. I hate to hear that so, from, from Bone because I, I hate guys that are like, it, it's Nicholas, not Nick. It's like, yeah, relax. Dude. Yeah. So, I mean, I've never heard anyone in the world that goes by Michael not be cool with Mike, but uh, I guess Bone's a, a first for, for a lot of things. So, enough of that Blazers Nugget series. Tune into that one Thursday night, game six. Let's move on to another series in the West that I think has been a ton of fun. Let's move on to this Clippers Mavericks series. You're Mavs, Barton. I know, man. This one, it was so fun for a little bit, and then it's really gone downhill uh, in games three and four. The Mavs jump out to that 2 0 lead. Luka's on fire. You think, you're thinking, wow, can he you know, pull this off in four or five and just cruise through the Clippers? And next thing you know, he gets a little banged up. Games three and four, the Clippers really turn it around, and the series is knotted up, and it's really moving in the wrong direction fast. Uh, I think this one could be over pretty soon. Yeah, unfortunately, it is kind of trending in that direction. I mean, Luka was incredible in one, games one and two in L.A. Um, just had an answer for everything. The Clippers' schemes were all out of sorts. They were switching screens when they shouldn't have, getting, uh, you know, Luka was forcing those mess, mismatches. Whether it was Zubox having to come out and guard him, he was just toying with, or he was bullying Patrick Beverly and talking shit to his face, uh, which was so much fun to watch. But finally seems like these last two games, uh, games three and four, that Clippers have started to find their groove. Kawhi has been dominating. Uh, the Clippers have a new game plan. They're handling some of those switches better. They've gone with some small ball lineups. And uh, it really just seems like the Clippers know what they're doing now and are ready to... Uh, kind of take this back and take control and, and close out the series. Well, they're the rightful favorites, and so they finally, you know, they, they woke up, they found their groove, and uh, especially with Luka being banged up. I, I Personally, I just don't think he has enough help. I think every player in that supporting cast is average or below average. I, I, I wouldn't really put my trust or faith in any of them. Um, you know, is there anyone – in that supporting cast that you like on the Mavs? Like, does anyone come... I know Hardaway had one good game in game two where he went off from three, but, you know, I think that's going to happen maybe once a series, and that's just not enough. Yeah, it really isn't going to be quite enough. I mean, Hardaway is the second-best player on the Mavericks. There's no doubt about it. Kristaps Porzingis is not. Uh, He's, you know, not played up to expectation his entire career, um, but this series specifically is not... um, really just not performing to the level that he needs to. Um, so he's got to step up. Uh, in terms of what Luca's doing, uh, game, game five is on right now in that series. And uh, I can see it in the background right now. Luca had scored a career-high 19 points in the first quarter. So uh, the, the Mavericks are up by seven points right now. That next looks okay to me. And uh, Yeah, so maybe, uh, maybe Luca isn't ready to just die out yet. He's going to will this team back into it. Who knows? Maybe he's on track for 50 tonight. But, um, you know, when it comes to the rest of that roster on the Mavericks, uh, I think Jalen Brunson brings a really fun spark. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith can be a really nice player. Same with Maxi Kleba. 
but in order for the Mavericks to do anything, they really need Chris Upsporzingis to be at his best, and we just haven't seen anything close to that yet. Yeah, Hardaway, Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, no one's getting me all that jazz there. So uh, the Mavs got to, if they do, if this series goes the way we think, where um, you know they're exiting here probably in six. Hey, who knows, though? Luke is putting on a show right now. Um, but, you know, if, if the Clippers are able to move on, you got to think, what are the Mavs going to do this offseason to, to get their guys some help? Yeah, definitely. And, and it really it's probably going to come down to the defensive side of the ball and the paint. And, uh, you know, Paul George said it earlier this series, but the, the, the Mavericks have no answers um, at the rim. Uh, Kawhi and, and PG are both shooting over 80% in the series at the rim, I think, right now, which is insane. Um, they should not be able to do that, but the Mavericks just have no one that can, you know, protect the paint, defend at the rim. Um, Christoph Porzingis is not that. So that's probably the area the Mavericks got to tighten up on uh, this offseason. But we shouldn't talk about their offseason yet. They are not done. They are still alive and fighting. So. There's still some fun to be had in that series as well. That's another one that, who knows, could definitely make it the distance, go seven, and uh, I'm not ready to count the Mavericks out yet. So we'll see how the rest of that series plays out. Um, but another fun one in the West that we can move into. And, um, you know, I don't even know if we should necessarily call this a fun one uh, because it's been a weird series. It, some of the games haven't even been that close, haven't even been that entertaining. And that's the Lakers and Suns series. Um you know, you mentioned some of the injuries, but Anthony Davis and Chris Paul, it just sucks to see those guys hurt. Yeah, it's it's a bummer not having them at, at full strength, uh, especially for this series, which I was, I was really looking forward to. Um, you know, AD going down really, really impacts the Lakers' chances. Um, you saw them last night. They looked pretty hapless against a, a Suns attack that was looking quite potent, I will say. Monty Williams has those guys playing well. Um, you know, they know how to defend the Lakers, particularly without Davis. Um, Aiton's played well in every game this series. Uh, and Booker, man, I mean, his shot-making ability is, is up there with, with all those guys. He's a true number one option in this league. Um, I've seen him, you know, he's been, he's been playing like one at least. He played like one last night. Um, and, you know, I would say at this point in time, other than that top tier of like Steph and Harden and Durant, uh, of like just ISO shot making players, I think Booker's right there with maybe Jason Tatum in that second tier because um, he's special, man, on that on the offensive end of the floor, um, and was doing it last night. Definitely, Booker has been everything that uh, you know you could hope for. He's been so much fun to watch in this series. You mentioned it, but he has taken on that responsibility of being the number one option on a two seed in a loaded Western Conference, and is uh, you know bringing this team. On the, on the brink of moving on to the second round. And so, um, you know, I think for the Suns, Chris Paul is still out there fighting. He's clearly the heart of this team, the one that's kind of willing them to these victories. Um, so it's, you know, you just hope that he can last the rest of the series, stay healthy enough to be out there and on the court. Um, but some of those role players for the Suns have stepped up big. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, this series, his first ever playoff series, um, it has been some of the best games I've ever watched from them, really stepping up when they needed him. Um, guys like Mikhail Bridges playing great defense, Cam Johnson hitting timely threes. You've got campaign coming off the bench, giving you a spark plug, My guy. 16 points in, in game five. 
Um, so he's been really important and, and a big reason that, um, you know, even with Chris Paul out, they needed that little extra boost um, and campaigns given it to him. And then on the flip side for the Lakers, it's a completely different story. Um, I think you can start, but the most sobering fact is that LeBron looks a little less than the LeBron we've seen in years past. Um, you know, he, he looks a little bit more human. He's still the best player every time he steps on that court. Um, but the gap is not as large as it has been in the past. But what's really killed the Lakers is that supporting cast. Uh, Dennis Schroeder last night, 0 of 9 for 0 points. Uh, it's inexcusable. You've got Contavious Caldwell Pope just hasn't been having the greatest series. He's been battling injuries for the last two games. Ended up having to leave the game last night. Um, and then other guys just haven't quite stepped up. Kuzma hasn't given him too much. Markeith Morris hasn't given him a whole lot. Marcus Gasol's had a few good minutes. Um, Montrezl Harrell hasn't even played in a couple of these games. Um, it's just, you know, the Lakers can't find anyone that can step up. Their guard play, man, watching it last night, those guys are nobodies. Like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of Schroeder. I'm, I love Caruso. I'm not afraid of Caruso. Wesley Matthews looks washed. Uh, and then KCP, I mean, yeah, he, he's had his moments, but he's never been a consistent guy who you can really trust. And, um, you know, that's an issue. I mean, this LeBron put this team together. Uh, you know, you best believe that. And so, um, you know, I'm sure he's not too happy with the way it's turning out. Uh, and then on the flip side, like you mentioned, the Suns, man. That the, the support, Yes, Booker is playing well, but the supporting cast guys, I mean, I've never seen a guy more willing to shoot more more aggressive going to the basket than Cameron Payne every time he touches the ball. Like you see none of that confidence on the Lakers side. None of those guards, none of those wings are catching and immediately attacking. Mikhail Bridges locking up LeBron, playing well against him and then hitting threes on the other side of the floor, you know, being open and ready, knocking down shots when you know when he gets the ball. The Suns seem like the team that's playing with confidence, at least after last night, and the Lakers not playing with a ton of it. So maybe they can turn it around when AD comes back and they go back to LA but um this Suns team looks like a, a force at this point yeah they do look like a force and even going into the game on on Tuesday night I was expecting LeBron to come out and have one of those games that just remind us that LeBron still is the greatest player in the world and uh we got nothing close to that um he may need to do that in game six in order to keep the Lakers uh give them any sort of fighting chance to stay in this series but um it is not looking too promising for the Lakers uh, so, I don't know. I, I think I'm about ready to say the Suns are taking this one. I, I'm not giving out all hope for the Lakers. I know there's some Lakers fans out there that are still uh, still have some small belief, but I don't know, man. I think the Suns just are the better team in this series. It's a it sucks to say it um, as a LeBron stand myself, but I, I think the Lakers are headed home this time. Yeah, well, let's touch on the last series in the West. And it looks like this one is wrapping up tonight. The Utah Jazz have about a 20-point lead at the time we're recording this. So safe to say the Jazz are wrapping up this series in five games. Um, but just to recap the series, that game one was awesome. Um, we saw Donovan Mitchell had to sit out, and he clearly was frustrated that the Jazz weren't going to let him play. He wanted to be out there. Um, but Memphis took advantage of him being out. John Morant has been as advertised, man. He's been incredible. He's a big-time player, and it's been really great for Memphis to, to see this from him. Um, had 47 points in Game 2, 
took over the, in the fourth quarter in game one in that win. But Jaw is just so much fun to watch. He's he's one of the most electric players in the league. Both him and, and Mitchell are, but uh, Jaw's a lot of fun. Um, just the way he's grown since he got in the NBA, especially in his, his first playoff series, um, you know, he's just already in what is it, his second year? He's just already kind of the man. Um, which is cool to see. That Memphis team's fun. You know, it's not their year, obviously. Utah uh, is terrific. My Jazz, uh, the one seed, and, and they're looking like a buzzsaw after uh, a weird game one for sure. But um, you got to put that respect on Morant's name, get him a dub. Yeah, definitely. And so just from the Grizzlies' perspective, they definitely saw some things that they should be really happy about. It looks like, um, you know, Dylan Brooks, he's a dog, man. He is out there scrapping. He's a great defender. That's great to see. Um, Valanciunas has been pretty good this series and had a great season overall. Um, Jaron Jackson looks like he's headed for a max contract this offseason. Um, so th- the Grizzlies are in a great spot moving forward. But really, the story here needs to be the Jazz. They're the one seed for, the, for a reason. Um, Donovan Mitchell is incredible. Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player in the NBA. Um, and then, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but... Utah has about six or seven guys that can just pop off and get hot at any given moment. Ingles has been incredible. Boyan Bogdanovich has been incredible. Um, You know, Clarkson, when he gets going, uh, he's almost unstoppable. So, uh, Jazz, this is a well-deserved series victory. Uh, Moving on to a second-round series where, you know, they may not be favorited if they go up against the Clippers, but... Uh, you know, definitely don't cut this Jazz team out because they've proved they deserve to be where they are. They've been good and overlooked all season, um, but they've proved they are no joke and a team that really is uh, to be reckoned with in the Western Conference. Man, I, my Jazz, I, I hope they do. Did you, by the way, did you see the uh, the Six Man of the Year award? I did. What they of did there? That was so yeah, cool. It was. It was they've, cool how that was. Announced. They've got. They've got Ingles and Clarkson, who are the two guys um, with the chance from the same team on the Jazz, uh, and and they ask each. They're playing trivia, just kind of as like an NBA TV segment. Yeah. And uh, one of the questions is, uh, have has your franchise Utah Jazz ever had uh, an NBA Six Man of the Year? Um, and Clarkson looks up and goes, no, nah, I don't think so. Um, and then Ingles is smiling and holds up one and then just points at Clarkson, and they handed him the award. Man, it was so cool. Um, they seem like real good friends. Uh, and this Jazz team, like like you said, they've got chemistry. They've got guys who can score all over the floor, and so um, I'm hoping they make a deep run. Definitely. That was an awesome segment to see. I think it was live on TNT when they did that. So uh, that was super cool. But, yeah, this Jazz team – um, you know, as much as people kind of peg them as the, the least fun team to watch at the top of the Western Conference, um, they are fun. You should be tuning in because they are a, a really exciting team and, and are definitely out to prove some people wrong. And, um, you know, it's hard to, to uh, pick anyone against this Jazz team. So uh, definitely looking forward to a second round matchup with the Jazz. Uh, but that'll wrap it for the Eastern Conference. Let's move over to the East. We can run through some of the Eastern Conference matchups. Some of these may not be quite as exciting as the Western Conference matchups, but we saw one wrap up tonight that we can start with, and that series was the Hawks and Knicks series. Um, This series, you know, maybe aside from the Blazers-Nuggets series, um, has been maybe the most fun for me to watch. I've been really entertained by these games, even though the Hawks kind of dominated. They took control of this series 
they won it in five and won it pretty easily. Some of the games didn't even, um, you know, come down to the end of the fourth quarter. But I had a ton of fun watching that, watching Trey Young really show up on the scene and show up in style, quiet the garden. Uh, he was clearly the best player in the series. He's proven that, you know, he's an all-NBA-capable talent um, and is now capable of leading a team to a playoff series win, which you know, wasn't quite the narrative on him even just a year ago. So love to see that from Trey. Hell of a turnaround uh, for his career. It really has taken a leap this year, um, getting his first playoff series win. It is in the East, but uh, like his draft class partner, Luka Doncic, um, the Hawks can feel better at night that they took him second. They get one with Trey. Luka's still chasing his first playoff series win. So, um, But, yeah, that, that it's been a fun series. I, I learned a lot. I didn't previously know – uh, what what a disparity there was in terms of the talent of these teams. I mean, it's, it was pretty jarring to watch after the first couple games. Um, the Hawks just have so many better players. The Knicks, I knew, you know, I, I knew the Hawks were better, but I didn't know the Knicks had no one. And, and Randall hasn't really shown up. Um, but you just start to notice that, you know, they, they just these teams weren't even really close from a talent standpoint. The Knicks don't have any guys who can really get a bucket. Uh, the Hawks have a bunch. Um, and so, that, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting series from that perspective. I don't I don't think it's all bad for the Knicks though. They overachieved this year. Um, they're the four seed after all. So congrats to I think you got to you know lay your hat on. Yeah, hey Tibbs, Randall, you know those guys went to work for them this year. They had a fun season. They got a dub in, in Madison Square Garden. Although they were clearly overmatched in the playoffs here. Um, you know, pretty fun season overall. Definitely super exciting stuff from the Knicks and. Um, you know, a lot of this, the, the narrative of this series really surrounded, um, you know, it's just talking about the Knicks, focusing on the Knicks, focusing on Julius Randle struggling. Um, but I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said that the they were simply outmatched. The Hawks roster talent was so much better. Um, the Hawks were just the all around better team. And that's no knock on the Knicks because the Knicks were the four seed. They came out of nowhere this season, got home court advantage in the playoffs when no one was even expecting them to be a playoff team. Um, so a lot to be happy for the, the Knicks this season. But, you know, at the end of the day, they did struggle in the playoffs. They do have some things to change. Um, Julius Randle really struggled through four games in this series. I haven't looked at the box score to see what he finished with tonight, but through the first four games, he had 53 total points. Last night, we already talked about this game, but Damian Lillard scored 55 points. So, They've scored more in one game than, than uh, Randall had through four games, and that's not going to cut it when you're the best player on a on a you know playoff team. You got to be better than that. But all credit to the Hawks. The Hawks role players really stepped up. Gallo has been pretty good. DeAndre Hunter is, is a defensive god. Capella has been amazing. Um, you know, coming into the series, I definitely mentioned that I thought uh, Bogdanovich was the X factor and needed to be the third best player in the series. And he absolutely has been, um, you know, even an argument to be made that he's the second best player in the series. I think Derrick Rose probably gets the nod there. Um, he kind of ran out of steam in these last couple, but Derrick Rose was the only reason that the Knicks even won one game. Um, had had really no help on offense um, from any other Knicks supporting cast. Alec Burks had a good game, but, um, you know, aside from that, the Hawks just dominated in every facet of the game. And, we're just a better team, and, and they're moving on. So excited for the Hawks. Um, you know, definitely big things for them. And this is a huge step in their development, just to, 
you know, have a playoff series win under their belt. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, based on what I saw in the first round, even though it was against a team who has literally zero players that can shoot, um, they, they've got they've got a, they've got a star in Trey Young, and they've got some nice pieces. So, who knows? Maybe can make some noise in the next round. We'll see. Yeah. Well, speaking of that next round, they will be playing the Philadelphia 76ers, who just wrapped up their series earlier tonight against the Wizards. Um, you know, this hasn't been the most entertaining series, and um, you know the Sixers did wrap it up, like I mentioned, but. Uh, the storyline finishing this game was Joel, Joel Embiid's injury. So he's now listed day-to-day with a torn meniscus. Um, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know a whole lot about, uh, you know, meniscus tears and knee injuries. But it definitely does not sound good. And from what I've read online, I guess there is a big discrepancy in the severity of a meniscus tear. Um, but just for example, DeAndre Hunter of the Hawks, had a meniscus tear earlier this season that kept him out for four whole months. Um, so you'd really have to hope this Embiid knee injury is extremely minor um, because I'm really looking forward to a healthy Embiid, seeing what the Sixers are really made of. And it would be horrible if that um, if we don't get to see that because of an Embiid injury. So really hoping he's okay. But aside from that in this series, I mean, the Sixers advanced without any trouble. Um, the Wizards were able to steal a game, and um, you know Russ and Beal did their thing out there, played well for the most part, um, weren't crazy efficient, but you have to give a lot of credit to the Sixers. They just went out there, took care of business, and um, you know just did exactly what they needed to do to move on to the second round here. Yeah, this we don't need to spend too much time on this series. It wasn't wasn't all that great, but definitely um, the highlight and be getting that meniscus tear. We'll see what his. His future is as much as it sucks to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not overly surprised he, he's injured um, given the kind of miles he's put on his body this season. And, you know, when it heats up in the playoffs, it kind of just makes sense. But it, it definitely, you know, it, it is a horrible thing. I'm hoping he's, he can come back and continue the, the run there. And, you know, the one thing I'll say uh, about this series is I just I love Russell Westbrook so much, man. Uh, he he's so much fun that that game he's got like twenty nineteen twenty one and fourteen on three yeah. of nineteen shooting <laughs> yeah. like that you'll never win a basketball game playing like that. But just the tenacity he plays with, he never quits. Like it's it's crazy to me that that guy can even though he's not he's been on so many teams now. Um, and, you know, kind of lost his way a little bit since, you know, leaving the Thunder. Um, been on some, you know, n- not very good teams, I guess. Uh, and he's every night just brings it. Every single night. He, had, he knows no other speed. Um, I love that guy, man. So, shout out Russ. Um, but Sixers are moving on. Yeah, definitely. I love that Russ shout out. He, he's maybe one of the best people in all of sports, too. So, on and off the court, Russell, Russell Westbrook is everything, man. So, um, you know, happy to see him at least get another shot in the playoffs. Kind of took over for the Wizards the, the final stretch of the season, even get him into that eight seed and make the playoffs. So, um, you know, some good things came from the Wizards, especially down the stretch of the regular season. So um, that was exciting for them, but uh, the Sixers took care of business. So that's a quick little recap of that series. But moving on to the quickest series that we saw so far in the playoffs, a sweep. The Bucks took care of the Heat with ease. Finals to frauds for the Heat. Man, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, just to see the Heat kind of lose all of their heart 
almost gave up in this series. Um, but I think enough of it is owed to what the Bucks did. The Bucks went out there, stole this, didn't even really give the uh, the Heat a chance. Game one, the, the Heat were in it until the very end when Chris Middleton hit that buzzer beater to give them the win. Uh, but everything past that point was all Bucks and nothing but the Bucks. Um, really just suffocated the Heat to death. Um, you know, it's pure dominance. Drew Holiday was clearly the best player in that series, and it wasn't even close. Drew Holiday was doing some incredible things. Um, I think Drew Holiday finished the series with a net rating over 100, meaning that when he was on the court, he outscored um, the opponent by over 100 points, which is absurd. It's one of the most ridiculous things uh you know, stats that I've seen from this playoff. So Drew Holiday was incredible. Giannis did his thing, but, you know, really didn't even have to turn it up to another another level. Um, you know, the Heat just have issues. The Heat had nothing for the Bucks. Heat really underwhelmed the particular two stars, Butler and, and Bam. Um, didn't Just didn't show up this time around. And, and, and the Bucks got out on them early. They won that first game pretty ugly. I think it was in overtime. And then... After that, none of the games are really that close. The Bucks just went to work on them, particularly in game two. Um, you know, the question I want to ask you is, should we be getting in early on, on Bryn Forbes uh, for NBA, NBA Finals MVP odds? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I, I love Bryn Forbes, man. He, I liked watching him in San Antonio, but it was clear that he just didn't quite fit that team. But he fits this Bucks team perfectly. Coming off the bench, he's a flamethrower. Um when he gets hot, he is hot, and he knocks down every shot that he takes a look at. So, Bryn Forbes for a Finals MVP is a sleeper right now. And there's definitely money to be made there if, uh, if you hit on that one. Those DiVincenzo minutes are, are going to someone who deserves it, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> definitely. So, Bucks moving on to the next round. And, uh, man, the second-round matchup for the Bucks is going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be taking on the Brooklyn Nets, who just wrapped up their series with the Celtics. Um, this series was really just all Nets, except for the one 50-point explosion from Jason Tatum. Um, it was just Nets, Nets, and Nets. Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, they all did their thing. The big three was incredible. Harden was uh, an offensive master in this series. Um, was an incredible passer. Had a game with 18 assists. I think it was game three. Finished the game with 18 assists. Um, Kevin Durant probably had the best postseason series of his career numbers-wise. Kyrie has been, you know, Kyrie. He's doing Uncle Drew things. It's been the best version of Kyrie that we've seen since the, the 2016 ring he got in Cleveland. So all three of those guys have been on their game. Uh, Joe Harris has played some big minutes. Uh, Blake Griffin's been all right. Nicholas Claxon has actually stepped up and, and played some important minutes at center. Um, and that's going to be really important heading into this second round series with the Bucks. So um, really there's not a lot to be said about that series other than the fact that it was Nets and only Nets that came to play. Yeah, that team, I mean, Tatum had some good games. You don't want to gloss over that too much, but yeah, the Celtics, we all knew they were overmatched here. Um, and the Nets had some some pretty insane games where they all just came together and they can flip the they flip the script of the game so quick it's it's a close one and then all of a sudden they're up 17 kind of like those Warriors teams where there's yep. just literally too much offense in spurts where they just cannot miss and so uh, teams it's going to be tough if uh, um, 
teams can't really keep up offensively because we all know it's going to be hard to get stops on certain nights against the Nets. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, we're about to find out what the Nets' defensive is made out of, but but really this second-round series against the Bucks, uh, the Bucks are going to have to outscore the Nets uh, because you know the Nets are going to bring it on offense. And despite the Bucks, I think, matching up really well, um, this Nets team is just unlimited when it comes to the firepower they bring on the offensive side of the ball. But um, wanted to touch real quick on the Celtics. Um, so the Celtics had some major changes, some breaking news earlier today. The Celtics are really shaking things up. So their their general manager, their president of basketball operations, Danny Ainge, has stepped down and is retiring. Brad Stevens, the Celtics head coach, is moving to the front office to become the president president of basketball ops and, and take over Danny Ainge's role, um, which is a crazy shakeup. I think it was completely unexpected, really turned some heads and surprised people. Um, at the end of the day, I do think it's a good thing for Boston. I think um, it was clear that Ainge has struggled to pull the trigger on any of the big deals. He's been hesitant to um, leverage his future for any win-now type of pieces. Um, you know, had some deals on the table for Kawhi a couple years ago when the Raptors pulled the move. Had a good deal on the table for Anthony Davis, but didn't want to pull the trigger. Um, and, you know, the Celtics are what they are now. They've made several conference finals over the past five years. I think three of the last five years they've been in the conference finals. But I think they now see that Jason Tatum is a superstar. Um, Jalen Brown is a win-now type of piece. And that team is ready for something else. They really needed to shake things up, bring someone new in. So I'm excited to see what it actually means for the Celtics. I think Brad Stevens is better suited for a front office role than a the, the coaching role. Terrific X's and O's type of type of coach. Um, he really knew his, his um, stuff when it came to the coaching side of the game. But it was clear that he had kind of lost the locker room. Um, wasn't the best personality manager. And I think a lot of it started from the bubble and really carried over through this entire season. Um, and there were some issues there. So um, the Celtics, they'll bring in someone new. I'm excited to see where that coaching search leads them. But, um, you know, definitely, I think, a, a really surprising, but possibly a good thing for the Celtics to have this major shakeup. Interesting move. I, we, I, was, I, th- I thought Brad Stevens would take the Indiana job. Uh, the the college, uh, Indiana University, but um, hung around. Underwhelming season for sure, but like you mentioned, has has been in that Eastern Conference Finals quite a bit. Just hasn't really gotten over the hump. Um, interesting move. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Uh, I think it's what president of basketball operations, something like that. Yeah, that's the official role, but really it's general. He'll be the general manager. Yeah. That's just the uh, official title of the role, but. Um, yeah, I think it, it could be a good move for Boston in the long run. Um, I am, uh, you know, interested to know. Just a couple months ago, he was offered that Indiana job and turned it down. Said his future was definitely with the the Celtics. Wanted to be the coach of the Celtics. So um, we'll, we'll see. It, uh, you know, if he is sticking with Boston in this role and and what he can actually do to help bring in some talent. And um, you know, Boston has been a team that's kind of been ahead of their timeline in terms of the success they've had in the playoffs. Um, you know, it really wasn't until last year and, and even more so this year that they really knew that Jason Tatum was a superstar. But even in his rookie year, they had that um, conference finals run where they lost to the LeBron Cavs. 
um, you know, made it back last year against the Heat, and there was one in the middle there as well where they made it. So um, they've had some deep runs, but it was clear those weren't title teams. Now they have a guy who's ready to be a part of some title teams. So they need to make some big moves, surround him with the pieces that are ready to win now. And, um, you know, it's time for the Celtics to really try something drastic and, and make it happen. So Couldn't agree more. Get my Deuce, get my boy Deuce in a finals. Definitely. We want to see Deuce Tatum on the big stage. Uh, but lastly, let's just wrap things up real quick. Um, we won't spend too much time on these because we did preview them a little bit. But they're two series, second round series that we know of now. Two matchups we can look ahead at. Um, the first off being the Nets, Bucks, in the East. Um, I mentioned it. I think the Bucks do match up really well with the Nets. Uh, I, I think both teams are going to have to tinker with their starting lineups a little bit. Um, but for for the uh, for the Bucks, it'll be interesting to see where they go. I think to start the series, they're going to roll out the. Um, they'll probably roll out Holiday, um, Middleton, Giannis, uh, Brooke Lopez at the center, um, and and. Probably are going to go with Bryn Forbes to start, um, or, or actually they'll, they'll probably go Pat Connaughton to start. Uh, but I think by the end of the series, what we could see them do is, is start with Giannis at center and have PJ Tucker in there at the four um, for defensive purposes. I think um, you know we know, especially when Blake Griffin's playing the five for the Nets, Giannis is very capable of playing the five for the Bucks, and uh, PJ Tucker is a guy that is known for his defense, can play all right defense against KD. Um, and, you know, that that leaves someone to guard yeah, hard. I was going to ask. Just, they just add up a little bit better, I think, when the Bucks go small and leave Brooke Lopez um, coming off the bench. And, and speaking of kind of the matchups that you're just breaking down, who do you think the Bucks put Holiday on to start? Do you think they put him on Harden, a more facilitator type? Or do you think they put him on Kyrie and just trying to have him take him out? I think they'll go with Kyrie there. I think um, more so just because Harden is a, Harden's a, a big guard. He's very strong. No, he likes to drive. Um, Holiday's more suited for that, um, you know, smaller guard role. And we've seen Drew Holiday completely shut down Kyrie in the past, um, shut down other point guards specifically in the past. So I think uh, Holiday will, will surely get that. Kyrie Irving matchup and the Bucks goal really is there is just to completely neutralize Kate, um, Kyrie and make James Harden be the guy that's going to have to win this series. You're probably throwing a couple different mixes at, at Harden. Uh, Middleton will surely spend some time on him, but I think Pat Connaughton will get the primary assignment. Oh, Pat. Um, you know, coming out Dude, game one. Have fun, so, buddy. Yeah, and, and we know Pat Connaughton, he's a crazy athletic guy. Um, he's fast and pretty strong, but uh, James Harden wins that matchup. 11 out of 10 times so um we'll see what what it comes down to but i do think the uh you know i wouldn't be surprised by game four or five of the series if the bucks are making some lineup tweaks and maybe going a little bit smaller makes sense it's gonna be a fun one definitely gonna be a fun one uh we kind of mentioned that dante divincenzo injury but that is i think a pretty big blow for the uh for the bucks he would be the guy that's likely would get that hardened assignment so We'll see what they do there, but anyways, I, I'm you know super excited for this series. I think the winner of this series is coming out of the East. Um, I think this is pretty much the finals happening right here, so I'm excited. I'm sticking to my pick. I've still got the Bucks coming out of the East. I think the Bucks are going to find a way to win this series, but man, 
it's going to take everything they have and probably a little luck as well because this Nets team is capable capable of being you know one of the best NBA teams we've ever seen put together. Would love to see the Bucks win, but I just you know, there's no chance. <laughs> I think there's a chance, but we'll see what happens in that one. The other series that we know about, the Sixers and the Hawks. Uh, I'll let you just take a, a stab at this. You think the Hawks have any shot here? Absolutely, I do. Uh, I would say they Ooh. have a chance to win one or two games with Embiid healthy. But it looks, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm more going along the lines of I don't think Embiid's going to be healthy. And so if Embiid's out, I think the Hawks, that gives them a chance to potentially win this series. Wow. Um, yeah, I know it's a hot take. I know it's a little crazy. But what I saw to them, yeah, against the Knicks and then what I saw out of the Sixers uh, against the Wizards, all of those games were pretty close. The Wizards gave them a good fight. They didn't win that many. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd say they definitely showed up. And so... Uh, I, I don't know, man. I just I think the Sixers they don't really do it for me. I'm not overly thrilled about Tobias Harris as uh, a lead guard. We've seen what Simmons can do. I mean, they can play hack of Simmons now. That's another thing that a, uh, an opposing coach can throw at them. Um, you know, they they've got some secondary playmakers like a, a Seth Curry um, and a Danny Green, two guys who can hit shots. I think so. Those guys are fine, but uh, with them beat out, I don't really know who their go-to guy is um, in this series, and I think that's a problem when you got Trey Young on the other side. Yeah, I, I love the take there. I love uh, the belief in the Hawks, and I would love to see the Hawks steal a couple here, but I just don't see it. I mean, a lot does ride on Embiid's health, but even with uh, Embiid missing a few games, I don't see the series even making it to six games. Uh, I think there's a chance the Hawks could steal one, but the Sixers just head to toe are a much better team. They're um, a, a deeper team. They have some good players coming off the bench, and um, I just trust the Sixers. They're a team that's been in the playoffs before. They, they've won playoff series before, and I think this is the year where they're finally ready to actually prove that they can be a contender um, after several years of kind of failing, getting swept last year by the Celtics. I think the uh, Sixers are out to prove some people wrong, and I think they'll take care of business, and um, I, I'm expecting about a, a five-game series here. I think the Sixers are going to take care of business, get this thing done. So just a question on that. I do agree the Sixers are a better team. They're more well-built. They're more ready to win uh, and be a contender. All the, all throughout the year when I watched the Sixers, Embiid was that guy kind of down the stretch who they were getting the ball to. Obviously, he was an MVP candidate. Could he won't win, but he he was by all accounts second at MVP. Um, with him out, who are they going with? Who's if if Trey Young if is trading baskets with someone down the stretch? It's a close one. Who do Sixers going to down the stretch? Because that's all like in my, in my opinion, that's all NBA playoff basketball is about. Unless you can kind of blow a team out, it's going to come down to kind of like that Nuggets Blazers game last night, where you have to have the offense to match the offense. Where is that coming from for Philly? It's going to come from Tobias Harris. Um, he has been incredible all year. Um, you know, was on the brink of being an All Star this year, and and probably deserved to make it in. They just didn't have room for three Philly players. Uh, but on the offensive side of the ball, he he has been the playmaker for this Philly team. He's been scoring at a really high rate. I don't have the numbers in front of me from the Washington series, but I know he was averaging um, you know almost 30 points per game. He has been the the offensive go-to down the stretch, hitting all sorts of mid-range shots. He shot way better from behind the arc this season. So um, you know Tobias Harris is definitely that go-to option down the stretch if if Embiid's not out there. 
We'll see. I, I get the logic, but uh, I don't know if I'm a believer just yet. So, uh, well, let's hope Tobias can prove me wrong here. Yeah, and, and honestly, I would love to see it because I, I myself am not a firm believer of the Sixers either. I, I truly don't think they are, um, you know, the, the, one of the two best teams in this Eastern Conference. Um, but I, I still just think they are a much better and well-rounded team than the Hawks are right now. Um and that's not a knock on the Hawks. I'm so excited about the Hawks and um, where I think they're headed as a franchise. But uh, they're young. They're inexperienced. The Sixers are, are not. And so I think the Sixers are out to prove some people wrong and, and really want to win this series. So I've got the I've got the Sixers taking care of business here. But it's going to be a fun one. I'm really looking forward to this second round. So, uh, you know, we can wrap it there, man. Really fun, uh, fun NBA playoffs so far. I'm enjoying every night of it. Uh, there's a new storyline every night, a different player going nuts every night, um, a new team getting in some trouble every night, some upsets, the favorites are going down in a couple of these series. So, man, it's just an exciting time. Yeah, uh, I would echo everything you said. Um, it's been a lot of fun chopping it up. It's it's about time to go watch the second half of this Mavs-Clippers game. It got me thinking, uh, since we let the listeners know we're, we're recording during an NBA playoff game, does that show uh, dedication to the fans or a lack of dedication? Um, so, you know, I guess it's to be, to be <laughs> determined, but uh, uh, we got to catch the second half here. So I think it's time to jet. Absolutely, we got to catch the second half, but we will be back. We'll be keeping uh, keeping you updated on the playoffs, on all things sports. We got the MLB covered, so we uh, we'll be back next week. But appreciate you guys tuning in as always. You guys know the drill by now too. Help us share this thing, spread the word. Go like, share, subscribe. Uh, you know the drill, man. We appreciate you guys listening. All right, guys. Peace. Peace.